Welcome to a special CK podcast here on the Basketball Zone Cowbell Kingdom YouTube channel. I'm your host, Leo Biz, and today we have a very special guest. Potentially could be our co-host, man, Raptors insider Robert Misovich. My man, how you doing? He's also a filmmaker, by the way, so he's a great content creator. He knows what the hell he's talking about. I found him in the most random way. He was uh, complaining about how lacking our media our nba media as a whole and i'm part of the media but you know other media members not to name any names how they lack some fundamental understanding of basketball right robert yeah it's it's really lazy <laughs> right <laughs> I, I likened it to to copying a book report for like a book you didn't read right it's 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 a it's an apt comparison man that is crazy and what stood out to me from your facebook comment and this is on the raptors uh forum let's call yeah. it that i was not surprised but i was happy to see that i wasn't the only one that is extremely high on a guy like scotty barnes i have him number two on my big board and i'm sure we can touch on that a little bit later as we discuss our top five candidates uh, for rookie of the year this year but you touched on a lot of things about scotty barnes can you kind of you know kind of give us a brief recap of what you said in that facebook comment yeah, so I just wanted to talk about basically narratives, you know, and how they sort of dominate how a prospect is covered and, you know, how they're projected out. And these early, you know, narratives, uh, talking points, they sort of become building blocks for everything else, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's a project, right? He's raw. He's not ready to contribute. You know what I mean? Can't shoot. No offense. All defense. Um where does he play? Not doesn't have a position. Came off the bench, right? Oh, he couldn't even start in college. That's something. Not subs, right? So I think that's important, right? Like the pre-draft <clears throat> ramblings of you know mock drafts, etc. You know, people sort of build a consensus, you know, on okay, well, this is a top four, right? Plus, you know, and, and it's a it's if it's a four-man draft and you go outside of that and you're the team that breaks right. that pecking order, right? <laughs> especially when your entire media has been selling this very clean narrative of, hey, Kyle Lowry's on his way out, Jalen Suggs is on his way in. And then you go against that and you pick this guy that everyone's saying, oh, he can't shoot, he can't do this. Um, it sort of breaks, uh, it kind of breaks people's heads. You know, they don't know what to make of it. So they start to invent narratives. And I guess my pros on Scotty Barnes are that I don't buy all of that stuff. I, I do think he's NBA ready. I don't think that being a um, a less refined, let's call him a very raw shooter, necessarily means that you're raw offensively. There's a lot more to offense than shooting threes, right? 100%. Ask Ben Simmons, right? Ask so, ben Simmons. And, I, and I think, and I think that his defensive potential um, is incredible. I think his fit on this team is incredible. <laughs> you know, I, I think his personality is um, infectious. It's infectious. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he, he is just, he's a ball of energy and he has turned this fan base around so fast, like without playing a single game, it's basically a couple of some, a few summer league games, you know, and just the way that he talks and the way he carries himself. And he's had that sort of impact on his teammates. He's had it on his coaches and he's going to keep having it. You know, I'll tell you one thing that stuck, stuck out with me from Scotty Barnes. Um, he goes and he daps, he gives daps to all the media members, right? And their cameraman and the sound guy at the at summer league, he gave daps to all the referees. Win, loss, draw, didn't matter. I've never seen a player do that. This is a guy who's just he's he's special. he gets he's it. Different. He gets he it. Gets he's it. a professional, as you said, infectious personality, great teammate. All the insight um, that I received from him, all, all the intel was the guy just gets it. Great teammate, great human being. Um, you know, grew up loving Magic Johnson. He touched on that in his Raptors debut press conference. He has a lot of those similarities, right? Where he doesn't necessarily have a jump shot yet, but the Raptors are known to develop guys like OG, like Pascal Siakam. So I'm not worried about that jump shot as long as he's not Ben Simmons in the way that he's afraid to take those shots. Because one thing we know for sure, he doesn't lack confidence. And he's going to keep shooting that shot, which is a great thing because he's he's going to keep the defense honest. And if he does that, good things will happen. The rest of his game will open up, which is we already know what he does very well. And that's playmake, have a great feel. 
If he's in the post, he's going to find you on that weak side cut. You got to love these things. He's already shown that in game one and game two. So, man, lots of positive things about Scotty Barnes, bro. And, and that's why that comment that you left on Facebook just stood out to me because a lot of Raptor fans, just a lot of the NBA world, I would say, criticize the Raptors for this. And it goes back to perception and narratives. That could really skew how you think and how you look at a player. And, you know, just a quick example about here in Sacramento. A lot of fans still have hope for Marvin Bagley because he was the number two pick in the draft. And I tell him this all the time. I tell him because there's another guy in that draft, Metu, who got drafted by the Spurs, went to USC. He's on this team now. And I said, and I got a lot of flack because I said he's better than Marvin Bagley right now. He's two years older, right, which we'll get into into the intricacies of age and, and experience. But both drafted in 2018. I said, if Marvin Bagley and Metu were both drafted 34 and 35 respectively, not one person would say that Bagley is better. But because he was the number two pick in the draft, he automatically has more upside. And I think that's just absurd. I don't know how you feel about the whole more upside because they were a higher pick at one point. I think upside has to be consistently proven, right? You okay. have to keep proving it, right? So um, I disagreed initially with the Bagley thing, you know, having more 100%. upside. There's this this thing about, you know, I think it comes down to perception of selling things to fan bases, right? It just comes down to selling tickets, right? So at the end of the day, why is Ben Simmons not being traded for right now? Because his reputation has taken a massive hit. And, you know, Philadelphia maybe wants an unrealistic offer. But you know what I would argue? Is he worth what they're asking for? It's close. It's pretty close. But good luck selling that to your fan base and, and you know, getting people to buy tickets to watch this guy because his perception has gone down. So when you have the perception of, well, that guy was a number two pick. Well, you know, well, what does that not account for? That doesn't account for bad scouting. That doesn't account for the strength of the, the relative strength of draft. It does not account for league-wide trends. So if you drafted a guy like Jaleel Okafor, right, mm -hmm. and the NBA went through a massive shift, yeah. right, right, right as it, as it went, it doesn't really matter that he went third overall and, you know, injuries and all that stuff. And then ultimately, I think the other part of this that, that people don't give enough credit to is development and situation, right? Which is something that you've touched on, on your on your show a few times, you know, when you're talking to, um, I think the interview you sent me yesterday, yep. where, you know, right out of the gate, if, if you don't have a plan for this player to develop them, I mean, that that quote unquote upside and potential is going to go quick, go down real quick, real fast, right? So that's, I think, something that I think I really appreciate about the Raptors and why I was really happy, not only for the Raptors that they got Scotty Barnes, but also for Scotty Barnes that he got the Raptors, right? Because there is another situation, there's another world in which he is just another, you know, guy on Orlando who's just... I said you know, that. As, bro, as soon as he got drafted to Raptors, I said, this is the perfect situation for Scotty for the Raptors, I said, I'm more, because obviously I want my prediction of him being the number two uh, player, you know, in this draft to come true. And I said, what better situation than the Raptors? If he's on the Magic, I don't know if he would have panned out. I still think he would have. But say a guy like Jalen Suggs, who's who's always been that alpha male leader type role, he comes with this perception. I think his personality and his, and, and his game fits better in Orlando. So I think it was a win-win for both, honestly. I honestly think the Orlando Magic lost. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll be real on that. I, I think um, I think Scotty is the type of person they could have really used, and reportedly they were really high on him. I think the Kaminga thing was a smokescreen, and For I think sure. they wanted him. And you know he's a Florida kid, right? He's home homegrown talent, and uh, they would have loved to keep him around. And I think he's just the type of guy who can, you know, you know, Davion Mitchell, right? Culture changers, it factor, right? Guys who kind of stand for something and then what they stand for they stand for so strongly that they start to get other guys to move up, move off of what they stand for and you know whether that's for scotty it's it's passing right i think i think it's passing it's hustle defense enthusiasm keeping a level head keeping a smile on your face even when things are going bad you know i've watched so many games of scotty barnes you know granted <laughs> you know he didn't lose a lot in high school right but 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 moments where you know his team's down five down six it's that tim duncan thing you can't tell from his face whether he's down 10 or up 50 you just can't tell you and you definitely can't tell from his effort or his you know and that that kind of infectiously rubs off and i think the orlando magic sorely needed that 
I think the Raptors have a little bit of that already with OG and, you know, Fred to some extent. They have mm-hmm. a little bit of that leadership. I think, you know, I look at the Magic, I, I see a rudderless ship in a lot of ways. You know, I don't think Terrence Ross has necessarily got leadership skills. And I don't, I don't think, you know, that team has sort of been lacking that presence. So they, I think they missed out. Now, you could argue all day if Jerome right. Suggs is that guy. And he probably is more that guy than Cole Anthony or perhaps some of these 100%. other guys they have. But I, I, he's better than that, Cole. <laughs> Cole, I'm not very high on Cole. I'll, I'll just say that right now. I, I'm not that high on him either. And you know, but one thing I will say is I, I'm not that high on Jalen Suggs either. And I think a little bit of it comes down to what Gilbert Arenas said. I'm not saying that Gilbert Arenas mm-hmm. is always right, but he knows a few things about scoring, and he knows a little thing, a little about you know ISO scoring as a guard. You know, and um, I think that the media made this myth of Jalen Suggs, just, you know, the the game winner on this huge stage. It's just, it's a March Madness thing, right? And that that sort of builds, uh, that's what folklore is built on, right? So now he's like, he's a guy who consistently hits game winners now, apparently, you know, for some fans, right? He's a guy who's clutch for some fans. I see a guy who couldn't create a shot. I see a guy who got clamped <laughs> by, by Davion Mitchell. I see a guy, you know, um, who has hip mobility issues. I see a guy who's a streaky shooter. Um, you know, will he turn out to be one of the better players in the draft? I'm sure. He's a really hardworking guy. He's a really good kid. Um, but I'm very, very pleased with Scotty Wise. <laughs> yeah. I just want yeah. to and, and, and to your point about Jalen, um, I felt that way. Uh, let's recap 2017. I felt that way about uh, Josh Jackson. Um, I said, one yeah. of these guys are going to be a bust. And I was right on that. Um, I'll be honest. I just don't feel that way with Jalen. I know you kind of do, but I just feel like Jalen does. And again, to Davion, Davion gives everybody off nights. It's just what he does. Um, but I think Jalen Suggs would have fit well here with the Raptors. But because the Raptors already have guys like Fred Van Vliet and Malachi, who I love, by the way, um, which we'll, we'll get into that. But that's where I was like, they're just going to build on their strengths, which is length, defensive uh, versatility and they're like dude mm. let's triple down on our strengths right and i th- i think that's what they did and it's an added plus when scotty barnes has the ability to play the point at times and facilitate for others so that's why it was a win-win and again perception kills a lot of people just want to say oh he will he didn't start at florida state you know he's not a good rebounder because of his stat because of his counting stats uh, you know, he he really can't shoot, but there's a counter argument to all of those things. And as I, as I said in my pre-draft uh, wor- uh, workout video for Scotty, how can you rebound at a high clip when they ask you to guard most point guards on most nights and you're always guarding the perimeter? That's kind of illogical when you truly think about it. <laughs> you're away from the basket. How am I going to grab more rebounds? And we saw it in game one, nine rebounds. It just depends. Like it's all situational, right? If it's you know, it's we've already seen a little bit of the offensive rebounding from Scotty. He, he had a few deflections. Right there. Um, he, he doesn't chase. He doesn't chase rebounds. So he's he's more of a uh, he doesn't. A lot of guys pad their rebounding stats on defensive rebounds to just sort of you know hang around the basket. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook, you know, whatever. I've Perfect gained example. a newfound appreciation for um, getting the ball up the court quickly. So I think there's actually some utility in your point guard being your best rebounder or your most capable rebounder but the counterpoint to that uh whole you know um well how can you expect a point guard to be a good rebounder well the counterpoint to that is actually very relevant for the raptors because people say well how can you possibly operate where every single player in your team is six nine and to that you say well our point guard is capable of boxing out his point guard <laughs> and our shooting guard is capable of bouncing out you know what i mean so you make up for it and and then you know long shot long long rebound right so as threes go up those that rebounding radius goes out 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 and it, you know i'm not saying that it's going to stop guys like andre drummond from getting 20 sure. rebounds a game of course because there's still those rebounds to be had but it it makes um it makes gang rebounding a lot more relevant in modern in the modern nba so yeah and one added thing to that, too, about your point about potentially other guards trying to guard Scotty Barnes. Perfect example, game one, offensive rebounding. If he crashes the boards, guess what? He's going to grab those boards because we all know 
most smaller guards don't communicate very well on defense and they don't box out. So you could see two, three offensive rebounds automatically added to Scotty Barnes when that happens because they are going to go Siakam, OG, and uh, and uh, Scotty. So it's it's not out of the question that he gets two offensive rebounds a game just based on that fact alone. Um, I think there's a, there's a there's a there's a you know so much of NBA offense is predicated on pick and roll, right? right. Hunting mismatches, trying to create switches, um, creating you know chaos within those switches, and trying to exploit miscommunication, right? So I think Scotty Barnes, um, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, I think what this team has done, especially under, you know, I think Masai and Bobby's, you know, pace and space, like uh, length and strength, you know, matchup thing, is they've gotten a bunch of guys who you can't really switch them off of anyone so they can actually switch everything. They can go under on everything or go over like the, you, like you know for instance yesterday uh what the Raptors played yesterday and i was right. watching watching them they were trying to shed scotty uh they were trying to shed uh og and of course you know you're expecting if you're trying to shed a wing that you're trying to exploit a big but then the big that comes up is precious or on the other side if you, if you swing it to the swing it to the weak side that big is going to be scotty barnes playing the four and you just you, your your entire action does not deliver any results, and therefore you're you're getting bad um, you're getting bad opportunities. The other way that it be looked at is it makes the other team's offense much more predictable. So it gets 100%. them out of sorts a little bit, and then they have to go into iso ball and you know um, helping the helper. I think sometimes when I'm watching this Raptor team, especially when they play you know a lineup like Banton, Utah, you know these long guys, right, with Scotty, Pascal. Um, Boucher, right? Everyone Longest team in the NBA by yeah, far. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's by far. And sometimes it feels like the other team's playing six on five. A little bit, right? Yeah. You, you Passing lanes closed down. Suddenly, every single help defender is just five inches closer than they would be on any other team. Um, you put the ball down in the post. Suddenly, someone's there. You swing it out. You think you've got a little bit of space. And the guy's right out in your face. It just shuts down what most teams really like to do. It's it's smart. It's it disrupts really smart. their timing. And even last night, yes, it's preseason, but towards the end of the game when they made that comeback, I think they went on a, on an eleven zero run, and the bench was in. Malachi was like the smallest guy out there. They literally created about four turnovers in a row because they were pressing up high. And I had the Raptors plus fifteen and a half for like four hundred dollars, and I covered that. <laughs> um, but I knew that if Malachi stayed in the game. That, they, that once they were down 21, I'm like, this is an easy spread because they're going to get these buckets. And the Raptors never stop playing hard. And that's just an organizational thing, right? They're always going to play hard. Uh, and it's these types of things that you just know or you have to know in advance. And I just love seeing. And I loved how they executed that, man. Like, it was just a beautiful thing to watch. Isaac Bonga. <laughs> that, guy's, Isaac Bonga. that guy's crazy underrated um, or overrated. I heard someone call him a future superstar, and I was like, That's whoa. Crazy. <laughs> but but he's, a, he's a great guy to have. It's like the yeah. guy so, in the So let's transition more into what Kyle Lowry not being here means anymore. Uh, potentially some lineups that we liked last year. Or even how Nick Nurse kind of, you know, touched touched on Kyle. I think this past pregame where he, uh, what was it? He said, he, he Ky said Kyle, Kyle's, Kyle's name. Starting lineup. <laughs> it was just yeah, such a habit, right? It was just a nod to him and I his think, greatness. I think it's wishful thinking, to be right. honest. <laughs> but, okay, so we heard that. And even last year in the pick and roll, we didn't see much of, you know, Kyle and Pascal Siakam. It was more of a Fred Van Vliet and Pascal, which... Again, maybe he was preparing them for this year. What combinations do you see working this year with Goran in the frame and, you know, uh, a full year of Gary Trent Jr. And now, you know, our guy, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, so this roster is really split for me because there's a side that I'm really for. And then there's a side that I would trade for a bag of chips and, you know, some some peanut butter real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately, the, the side that I'm not really a fan of, they, they get paid over $90 million. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think one of the more better kept secrets in the NBA is I don't think Fred VanVleet's a point guard. I, I really don't. Um, That's you know, it, it's, That's it's, 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 it's debatable, of course, you know, but I see him as more of a combo 
shooting guard. I think he plays better off the ball. Um, it's been said for many years, you know, that he played with Kyle in the backcourt because they were just the two best guards on the team. And, and you know, um, I think part of that is just because he needs someone to create his shots because he's he's not athletic enough, long enough, creative enough, um, a good enough finisher or a good enough shooter, to be honest, uh, to be a primary facilitator. He doesn't have that sort of gravity where you have to be covering him the way you cover Trey Young or you cover Steph Curry. Um, I've always seen him as a bit of more of a Derek Fisher type, um, to be honest. Uh, he's better than Fisher. He, he, yeah. I mean, it's, it's debatable. (laughs) Um, are you you saying more like in that role or like comp for comp? Because comp for comp, like he's definitely a better player than Fisher. Fisher could just like shoot, like, just like, like stationary shots. Van Vliet. He was a, he was a defender. Right, right. right. And, and Van Vliet also shot, I think, under 40% from the field last year. And, you know, in the finals, like, people remember the finals because everyone yeah. watched the finals. But as someone who watched all 24 of those games, I can tell you he shot above 50% in five of them. So, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not huge on him, and I don't think he's a point guard. And I think that's a big, you know, uh, plus to having a guy like Scotty Barnes who could potentially, you know, play center for you on some nights because mm-hmm. he's long enough and strong enough to probably do that on most nights. But he could still provide a lot of that playmaking. So, do you think Malachi lie. is a, is a point guard? I do, I do. I, I think he's he's a scoring point guard, but he is a point guard. I'm not, you know, I'm not of the mindset that you have to be John Stockton to be a point guard. Right. Uh, I'm I'm simply saying that you have to have um, some composure with the ball, right, in your hands, and you have to be able to make quick reads, right. And I have seen Fred VanVleet miss open men in the post. I've seen him dribble into traffic with no idea what he wants to do. I find him to be a little bit me first in the offense, and I don't mm-hmm. think he's necessarily talented enough. And, you know, so, you know, in terms of lineups that work, um, you know, obviously I think Goran Dragic um, should not factor into the future plans, but, you know, he's sort of a, again, he's he's bridging that gap. Between, he's a placement for, for he's, this he's year. A, yeah, he is. And, I mean, you know, if they, if they dealt him at the deadline for whatever they were looking at, Moses Brown or whoever they were looking at, um, you know, that might be appealing to the Raptors. But, um I see the utility right now because ultimately it's keeping Gary Trent off the floor, which is, <laughs> up, which it was just positive for me. And the other, the other thing is it's keeping, you know, the ball out of Fred Van Vliet's hand. I think of him as a necessary 35 year old evil at this point. Um, you know, in the center, you know, you've got, so Denver. do you have no hope at all for Fred? Because, uh, I get what you're saying. He does have those moments where he doesn't know what he wants to do, but I feel now with literally all the responsibility, to essentially be that guy because they paid him in a way like again perception narratives but even last night where at the end of the third quarter beautiful take to the rim spin back um both guys fell for it he dished it off to his big easy dunk at the buzzer uh you don't see him being consistent with that like you don't think he'll he'll sustain that type of uh movement that type of playmaking no, I don't. Okay. I, I have just, I have watched this guy miss too many blatantly obvious passes. I've seen him grind fast breaks to a halt while he tries to, you know, figure out what to do. Um, it's actually one of the big reasons why I think someone like Josh Giddy or Scotty Barnes is so special because of how they see the floor and how quickly they process information. It's why Luka Doncic is so great. It's why Trey Young is so great. Is because of how quickly, because the NBA's game of inches and, and milliseconds, you know, it's, it it's really, you know, it's fast. And, you know, having a guy who just sees a pass one second late every time, it's just that's that's a foot and a half to two feet for the defender that, you know, that that shooter's percentage is going to go down. So I don't think he makes people better in terms of being hopeless. No, I absolutely don't. I think he's an excellent Derek Fisher type. You know, I think he's an excellent guy to pair with an elite scoring guard, like, you know, if we had gotten a Jalen Green mm-hmm. or someone like that, I think that's an ideal matchup for him because, you know, he can have somebody, uh, it cleans up the offense, you go through. He was great with Kawhi. He, he played very well off of Kawhi, but you need to have that kind of guy. And he can't be that type of guy. That's the point, you know. Yeah. Right now he's trying to prove that he can get his percentages up. He's 5'11 on a good day with 6'2 yeah. and, you know, it's not getting any younger, not getting any faster. So 
Yeah, so I, I like Malachi Flynn long term more than I like Fred Van Vliet. I think they're similar players uh, yeah. with with Malachi having um, probably a higher upside just athletically and positionally having a bit of a higher upside. Um, and I'm glad that he had had a better game yesterday because he looked kind of out of sorts in the first game when he didn't get on court. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the guard rotation is uh, probably a little weak. You know, I mean, Fred, Gary, I think Svee has been uh, a positive. He has. Uh, you know, he's been really good. I, I think he came in with that sort of reputation as, oh, he can just shoot. But he's shown a little bit off the dribble. As guys close out on him, he's shown. That's um, just your, that's just Raptors culture, right? You just plug and play some guys, and some guys look better than what they should because he knows he has to play hard on this team. Because if he doesn't, he ain't gonna get no PT. That's true. Internal competition, you know. Like I look at uh, the end of this roster. You know, we, we were doing a podcast the other day. We we're comparing the 2013-2014 Raptors to the 2021-22 Raptors, mm-hmm. and what we noticed was there were like seven or eight guys on that. Um, 13, 14 team that would not make this roster. It's crazy. Now, I'm not saying it's crazy deep with like star potential, but there's like nine guys who could legitimately be the ninth guy, right? That internal competition hopefully propels one of those ninth guys to go up a level and become a sixth guy. And I think, you know, with COVID and everything that's happening, you need those guys. And I think the Raptors found out the hard way what, you know, a lineup with Stanley Johnson and DeAndre Bembry and, you know, Kem Birch and Freddie Gillespie looked like last year. It was bad, right? And Freddie Gillespie was a revelation because Aaron Baines was so bad last year. But the truth is, I don't think Freddie Gillespie is going to be on this roster this year. So there's a major upgrade between, you know, positions 17 to 9 on this team, right? And I, I would argue there's also an upgrade, you know, across the board. Now you ask me, like, how is this team going to adjust without Kyle Lowry? It's going to be tough, yeah. right? I think I think Kyle Lowry probably had his worst season in a long time last year. Both last year was played. weird. <laughs> it, it, was, was weird. It, was, it was weird, but it's also not an aberration to watch somebody, you know, who's 35 years old fall off a little bit. I think, I think where you're going to miss him, absolutely going to miss him, is he's actually a point guard, <laughs> you know? He is a facilitator. You saw him last night. He was getting, you know, Miami's bigs involved. He makes, he, he makes players better. Um, and, he and makes dead men look better. I mean, nobody can make dead men look better. Yeah, I mean, he 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 got Ken Birch paid last year. and he, he even said as much. He's like, my goal this year is to get Ken paid, you know? And, and he did. And he makes guys look excellent. He puts players in positions to succeed. I think most importantly, he wants to put other people in a position to succeed. And so, you know, as, you know, the irony of ironies here is that the entire narrative going into the draft is the Raptors are going to replace Kyle Lowry with Joan Suggs. And then there was this widespread disappointment that they didn't. I think the Raptors did replace Kyle Lowry with Scotty Barnes. It's a very similar on a, granted, much earlier trajectory because right. Kyle took a very long time to get to that very. point where he was, you know, a team. Yeah, he was like 31 when he figured it out. And I don't think, I still don't think he's figured it out quite to this extent. But that overall intention of I come second or let's put it this way. I'm happy if my teammate scores 40 and I score two. Like truly happy, not like I'll say I'm Scotty happy. Barnes, but, yep. but that's definitely Scotty Barnes, and that was definitely Kyle Lowry. And I think that that sort of selfless attitude, it, it leads to winning. It does. You know, because that means that if a guy scored, you know, five in a row, you're going to keep finding that guy and you're going to keep his rhythm and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get people going. And I think that, you know, when 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 players who are very ball dominant, where the ball sticks to their hands, and, you know, there's varying degrees. So there's on the one side extreme Gary Trent, who shoots 40% or 39% of the field. And then there's another side, which is Luka Doncic, you know, uh, where the ball sticks to his hands a lot and you deal with it because he's one of the best players in the league. But I think in both cases, you know, it does sometimes make it harder for other players to find their rhythm. Um, I would say this is probably justifiable critique of LeBron as well sometimes. You know, it's very difficult as a player who's used to, you know, taking one or two moves to always be standing in the corner. So... So, yeah, so I think Scotty and, and Kyle have that sort of, and, and I think that they have replaced a little bit of, of Kyle's leadership and his selflessness in Scotty Barnes. And I think Precious Achua and, you know, Ken Birch is a massive upgrade over Alex Len and 
Aaron Baines. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if, uh, if Fred and Goran can figure this whole backcourt thing out, it's not, I'm not going to say it's close to Kyle Lowry and, and Fred yeah. last year, but it's not as big a drop off as all the other additions are, you know. So I think last year they were third before COVID hit them. This year in a drastically improved East, maybe they could be fifth or sixth. Right. You know? Before we get into the starting lineups, Chris Blackwell and MK47 joined the chat. Uh, Chris's first question is, Benton is our point guard of the future. And then MK47 said, what do you guys think of... uh, Delano, does he need time in the G League? Uh, is he a possible steal? Response? I love Delano Benton, but he definitely needs some time in the G League. Like, he's a mile a minute. He's pure heart, pure hustle. I love the fact that the Raptors got someone from Toronto. This guy's story is just so cool. And this kid is so cool. Like, he's like, you listen to this guy in an interview, and if you don't love him in five minutes, you don't have a heart. Right. But, that being said, I've watched him airball at least 15 <laughs> shots already. He, he can't, he legitimately can't shoot. And I think what a lot of people maybe don't appreciate is that, um, you know, when people say, oh, it's preseason, oh, it's preseason, um, or it's, oh, it's summer league, is that when games actually count, those scouting reports get really detailed really right. fast. Real fast. And a guy like, and a guy like this, whose entire strength is playing fast and seeing over defenses, et cetera. He has so many glaring weaknesses that an opposing coach could you know, draw up and, and absolutely kill you. He, would, he, he could, they could yeah. play you off the floor with this guy. So yeah. I don't think he can play in the NBA right now. He's not to ready be honest. yet. Yeah. He's not ready, but is he a steal? I think three to four years down the line with the right, you know, shooting coach, the right strength and training program, if he keeps working at it. I think he could be an absolute rotation guy. You know, there, someone compared you. him very recently to Andre Karolinko. I could That's see fair. like a 35 to 40 percent version of that. You know, you know, um, yeah, he's he's awesome, but definitely. Yeah. Nice. OK, starting lineups. And then your so your first five and then your next three off the bench. Next three off the bench. So unfortunately, starting point guard will definitely be Fred, <laughs> Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> Um, Put some I, respect I would, on his name, bro. I love me some Fred. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to say shooting guard is is going to be uh, Goran Dragic, but mm. I would really love to see speed in that role okay. just, to, just to mix it up completely. Um, but yeah, let's say Goran Dragic, uh, small forward to start the season, uh, OG, power forward, uh, Scotty Barnes, and center, Ken Birch. I think Cam would start. So if Pascal um, was was healthy, hypothetical. Hypothetical, then Pascal starts at four and Cam uh, starts at five. So and you bring Scotty off the bench? I, th- I think Scotty would come off the bench in that scenario, unless, you know, um, in again, Nick Nurse is a mad scientist. So if, if, if they experiment enough with this and they think that they can pull it off, then I wouldn't mind seeing Fred move to the two and Scotty move to the one. I mean, this is legitimately the first prospect in close to 40 years where he could legitimately be your starting point guard or your starting center at the end of the year and still have a great season. It's possible. That's crazy. It's it's interesting. Um, yeah, and off the bench, you know, I see Gary Trent Jr. Mm-hmm. just because they paid the guy, and we all know what that means. You know, he's going to get money. Uh, he's going to get <laughs> – he got the money. Now he's going to get the playing, playing time, time. support. Yeah. So they don't want to tank his value completely, but I think he really doesn't fit. Um, Precious Achua because they they seem to be really high on him. They are. really is high, on him. And, and I don't blame him. He's he's awesome. Um, and then Chris Boucher, uh, and Malachi Flynn. So I know you said three, four but guys. I got to yeah. give you four. Yeah, it's a deep I, I, team. I, people are sleeping on the Raptors, bro. Dude, I, I haven't even mentioned Utah Watanabe. I, I really think Watanabe. I love that kid. He's amazing. Like he is truly uh, and he, a revelation. And he won't get much playing time because his team is so deep. Like this is crazy. I, I honestly think he will because um, so they're Ken going Birch, ten deep. Well, I mean, look, look at you know, like look how the team is structured, right? Like, how many of those starters that I mentioned could you realistically see getting over thirty minutes? Is Goran getting over thirty minutes? Not a chance. Twenty-five. Is getting over? No. So, so this team is going to be like uh, you know those rec league teams <laughs> where like twelve guys get like equal yeah. minutes. 
I don't think it's going to be quite that drastic, but it very well, and, and it, it, it lends itself to how fast they and intense they play, that you want guys out for six-minute bursts and then get them back in. And at the end of the night, you know, the minutes breakdown is probably going to be Fred having 32, 33 minutes, Pascal having 33, 34 minutes, OG having 33, 34 minutes. Um, maybe the next guy who has the top minutes is probably Scotty Barnes with 30 off the bench. Right, because you can literally plug this guy everywhere on the court. Yeah, he could be can. first center off the bench, first point guard off the bench, or your first wing off the bench. Basically, he's your sixth man. So, so yeah, so I, I see that. Um, and then, you know, obviously, I, I do see this team going eleven deep. I really do. I think I think McNurse is really high on Justin Champagne, really high, mm-hmm. and and he should be. Um, I think he's obviously high on Boucher, and I, I think he loves Utah Watanabe, and he should. Utah is a really high basketball IQ player. He's an inc- uh, you know he's an underrated shooter, and he's suddenly a willing shooter, and he plays his tail off, man. Like someone compared him to Dennis Rodman, like a Japanese Dennis Rodman last year, and I was like, that's not even the craziest thing I've heard today. You know, it's it, he is intense. You know, right. he got posterized. Uh, by Anthony Edwards, he had the best response to that. He said, "If I don't take that, if I don't take that attempt, I'm not going to play. <laughs> if I don't try to block that shot, I'm not going to play." I'm like, "That is that is absolutely the right attitude to have." So just a humble dude, and I uh, can't see how he doesn't get minutes. So yeah. All right, guys. We hope you guys can like, share, and subscribe. So far, uh, we've talked about a lot of things. Let's move on to the top five Rookie of the Year candidates. At number five, who do you have, Robert? Oh, man. It would be so much easier to start at one. <laughs> All right. At number uh, one, who do you have? <laughs> can I be a homer and say Scotty Barnes? No, I, I, I'm kidding. I, I understand how voting works. I'm going to go with Jalen Green. Yeah. Okay. At number two? Um, I'll go with Scotty Barnes. Okay. At number three? Cade. Okay, and number four? Shangun, maybe? Shangun, okay. Number five? Maybe Josh Giddy. And he'll get I playing mean, time. He'll, he'll get playing time on, over on, there. On a team that's going to lose a lot, and he's stat stuffer. Like, I mean, he, he had better stats than Lonzo, sorry, and, than, than Lamelo in the same league, right? right. And Lamelo just won Rookie of the Year. I just think it's going to be a little bit harder to win Rookie of the Year this year. Um, oh, it's going to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah, but but these guys who stuff the stuff the box score across the board, they do tend to get a lot of votes, right? Um, I know winning doesn't play a huge huge facet into it, but I think Jalen Green is just gonna score so yeah, many points. So yeah. that is an exciting team, and I'm sure we'll touch on that on a different show. But the Rockets, they have a lot of young talent. They stole the 2021 NBA draft. I still can't believe they got away with Shangun, uh, Josh Christopher. And my guy, Usman Garuba, arguably the best defender in this class. So uh, we'll see what happens there. So I got, uh, it's hard between Cade and Jay, only because they're both going to get playing time. But well, let's play devil's advocate. I'll go Cade number one, Jalen number two, Scotty number three, Jalen Suggs number four, and Davion Mitchell number five. And I say Davion because the Kings will be good this season, barring an injury to De'Aaron Fox. Uh, he's not going to have like great stats like Tyrese did in last year, but Tyrese was always top three because he impacted the game on so many ways. And mm-hmm. to me, Davion is a impactful defensive game changer. So that's why I think where his value comes in. And I think a lot of right. people league wide will notice how much of an impact he's going to make. So maybe not from a stats, from a box scores perspective, but from a value and an impact, I think Davion will be top five. What do you think about my list? I, I I like how we're both being a little bit homerish here. Cool. I like that. I, I like Davion Mitchell. I like him a lot more. Uh, I like the pick a lot more now that I see where he fits in on the Kings roster. Um, yeah, I think the entire uh, rookie of the year race is always about the narrative and do the numbers match narrative, right? It's like a story, right? So it's like mm-hmm. this guy just you know carried this franchise. And so I had like a lot of early hope that Cade would be my guy, you know, like, I mean, on my big board, I had Jalen Green number five. I had Scotty number two, three, right? It was between him and uh, him and Evan Mobley and I had Cade number one. And honestly, when I saw Cade in summer league, something shifted in me where he just didn't look that big, man. He just didn't. 
And all that stuff about, uh, you know, his teammates in college just not being really good. Well, he chose those teammates. He chose to go there. That's on him, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, those issues kind of persist and will continue to persist on that Detroit roster. And he doesn't really, uh, I'm concerned about those turnovers, but more importantly, I'm really concerned about the size, right? Um, because he was advertised as 6'8 with a 7-foot wingspan. He looks 6'5", dude. He does. And if he's not jumbo playmaker point guard, then he's a average-sized two-guard. If he's not a point guard and he's not jumbo-sized, then he's an average-sized two-guard. And if, if that's how you're going to market him as an average-sized two-guard, then I think Jalen Green has greater upside. Arguably. Right. Jalen has a great out, like regardless of who was in this draft, like Jalen has a crazy upside because he is legitimately six five, six six with insanity of athleticism. Like you've never seen anything like that. I actually think so. player comparisons impact draft stock. Because I think it's it's like the most underrated part of this. Because Scotty got So you're saying he's six six? Kate? Kate? I'm saying he's six six on a good day. I'm saying he looked legitimately six five and a half. Because Scotty measured six seven, right? And I've seen Scotty stand next to Cade, and he's like a legit two three inches taller than him. So I mean, the hair might Scotty's be Scotty's not six seven. That's ridiculous, dude. He was he measured six seven uh, barefoot in the combine. So six eight with shoes, seven three wingspan, right? So he looks bigger I mean, than that. <laughs> he looks it right, and he might still it looks be drunk, bigger but, than that. But I mean, I just I I. I you know, it's like I saw Cade in, in high school. He looked great. I saw him in college. He just looked really polished. He looked really mature. He looked like a he looked like a senior. Like he really did. He sounds like a senior. He looks yeah. like a senior. And it's really easy because he's so well spoken and he's so composed on the court. And then you look up and you're like, wow, five turnovers, four assists again. How that happened? So I'm I'm not saying. I just think that you know, again, situation. Where did they land? How are they going to be used? Um, that Killian Hayes, you know, I'm not high on Killian. Like I'm I not think high Killian on Killian. Is a bust already. I think Killian. If if you do a redraft, like this is what this is. You know, like I think you were saying earlier about like you know, um, does Marvin Bagley still have upside? Well, where would Marvin Bagley go in a redraft of 2018? He'd be lucky to be 25th. So that's that's the point, right? So where would Killian Hayes go? I think he'd be lucky to be a first rounder after one year. Maybe he would be fringe first rounder. Like he's got some potential, but For that sure. potential is just like there's so many guys like that, right? I mean, we had Jalen Harris last year. Does he have potential? Like it's just a sexy story, right? I think Jalen Harris is awesome, but I think he's awesome. Know? It's un it's unfortunate with with his story, but I think he's a good blast. He's a good basketball player, right? And he went undrafted pretty much, right? He was 59th or went undrafted. So it was like it was like that. I'm is... also biased because I went to Nevada, but uh, <laughs> I mean nice that plug for Nevada there. Yeah, no, he's he was awesome. Like I, I loved him uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the year, and he's got some serious hops and some athleticism. And I think I saw more from him than I saw from Killian Hayes last year. Honestly, he's a score. Like he's oh, yeah. a score. He's he's a bucket, but you need those guys. You for need sure. those guys. And I was like, Off you know, like, if you're if you're not going to be a star player, I need to know what kind of role player you're going to be for my team. Would you right? rather have Jalen or uh, Trent? Jalen who? Harris. Jalen Harris. I would take Jalen Harris ten times out of ten, and like, and I would, you know, I was I was, I was thinking about it, I was like, I mean, am I getting blinded by my own hate for Gary yeah. Trent Jr. because I really don't <laughs> like this guy? Like, because when he came to the Raptors last year, everyone was saying he's such a great defender, and I'm no, looking at not. this and I'm no, like, what? What are you seeing? And I started digging up the numbers, and I'm like, you realize he's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And like for his position, he is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And people are like, yeah. oh, well, he's 22. And it's like, well, that's not something that, you know, it's easy to work out. Like, you don't just magically become great defenders. He has really bad habits. Um, Real so bad I'm, habits. Yep. I'm really surprised that they paid him uh, as much as they did. Um, I thought, you know, he's a clutch client. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but that Norman Powell for Gary Trent thing. I mean, the age difference being five years is irrelevant to me. I think Norman Powell's a better player. <laughs> like, hands down a better player. I think if you had him this year, he would be your de facto easy plug at two. Easy. Um, so I think that's a mistake. But you know what? You can't get them all. I think this front office has performed really well overall. So you can't be perfect. But that trade, 
I wonder if they would redo that one if they could. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, it's not, it's, not it's, pretty, <laughs> it's, it's pretty unheard of for a team that drafted a player to give up on him at 22 right before he's up to a rookie contract if they really believe in him. So you can argue that maybe Portland didn't know what the hell they were doing, but I would argue they knew him better than anyone. And they gave up on him for a guy that they paid exactly the same amount on a longer deal That's who's nice. five years older, who's not a starter on most teams, right? I, I think Norman Powell is a fringe starter on most teams. You know what I mean? It's like when you put it into context, to call Gary Trent an obvious starter is insane. That's right? crazy. He's, he's, yeah. So, I mean, shooters get paid. We saw that with Duncan Robinson. I just think, you know, if you're asking me, Svee or Gary Trent, like, it's, you know, forget the fact that one of them is the 425th highest paid player and the other one is the five, fifth highest player on the team. Like, I'd probably swing with Svee. You know? Yeah. Like, I just, I probably would. Like, you just, you just, there's there's a basketball IQ component. He just fits in better as a role player. I don't need Gary Trent being my star. Yeah. He's not a star. He right, plays so, like one. So we're 45 minutes in. Uh, I still want to kind of touch on OG because we kind of because oh, yeah. we kind of touched on it um, before the show. I am huge on OG. I was telling you last night how the Kings had two shouts at him. Uh, 15 and 20 because they had number 10 originally from the uh, DeMarcus Cousins trade but yeah. they decided to move on from 10 which I was pissed because I had Donovan Mitchell slotted there and mm-hmm. they so they went in different but I'm like okay well there's still a lot of talent in this draft right 2017 was a very coveted draft as well and I was like well OG at 15 uh, no Justin Jackson I was like biggest mistake ever I said that right away nice guy like amazing person like no doubts about it but basketball no. And then they went Harry Giles, which I understood from a talent, like you draft the best talent available at 20, you know, it's, but I think you could have gone Harry at 15 and OG at 20 or vice versa, but they did it. And, you know, the, luckily the uh, Raptors swooped them up and well, the rest is history, right? <laughs> yeah, I think he's amazing. Um, he's, he's, uh, He's been a player that they've been looking for for so long. A starting small forward. We used to joke about this, you know, in Raptor forums. Like, we had Lamont Murray, Peter Turkoglu, Jason Capono, Damari Carroll. There was, like, a curse on this team. They just could not find a starting small forward to save their lives. Right. And then when they found him, they found one, right? And they found him on day one, you know? And, uh, you know, his, his growth has been sort of stunted by, you know, a few setbacks. Like, he had his, unfortunate, like, his, his father passed away, right? And then he had the appendectomy. Um, Kawhi came in and took his minutes, mm-hmm. right? But overall, I think he's ready for a huge breakout. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad for your Kings. Yeah. You didn't get him. But I'm really happy for a Raptors. MK47 says, does OG have an off-the-dribble game, or is it just because it's preseason? Oh, he definitely does. Like, he's been working on this for four years now. Like, and again, he's been hinting at this. Like, he does it from time to time. We saw it a little bit in the bubble, and then, you know, he sort of goes away from it. And he's a smart player. Like, he has good basketball IQ. He doesn't force things. Uh, he's not going to play outside of himself. He was, you know, telling someone the other day, I don't think he took 10 bad shots all last year. But when you give him the green light, he will take the green light. I mean, there's a little known fact for OG Ananobi. He wears number three after Allen Iverson. So this man is not <laughs> – he, 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 he wants to shoot. Um, I just think that he, him being young – I mean, he's 20, 24 years old, right? People, people think he's old, right? People – People lump him in with Pascal and Fred. They're 27. Like, they've been, you know, they, he came out as an underclassman. So, um, you know, being the younger guy, soft-spoken, a little bit shy maybe, you know, um, I think he, he kind of took that sort of fourth role. And he's not overly flashy. Right? You hearing something? Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I, I think he, he, he does have an off-the-dribble game. I think he's obviously working on it and showing it. Um, defenses are starting to gang up on him a little bit, like a little bit. You're starting to see them send a second defender every now and again when he go, when he gets going off the dribble. I think he makes quick reads. That's what I like about him. He makes quick decisions. It's not always pretty. Right. It's not always smooth. Um, he doesn't have a lot of counters right now, so I, I'm a little bit uh, 
concerned about, you know, pegging him as like someone who's going to be the next Paul George or something like that. Yeah. He's not. But but I think that this, uh, you know, audition for him will hopefully show the Raptors that they have two guys who could be solid B options in him and Pascal and that neither of them should be, you know, immediately catapulted to a, you know, a definitive franchise tag. I think they could split it. And I think that would make the Raptors a little bit more well-rounded offensively. You don't always have to go to Pascal. And I just don't think that the gap between Pascal and OG is that big. I don't think, I don't think it exists, to be honest. Right. I agree with that. Well, we've had a great show, man. I think that was my dog barking because I think I have to let him loose. But I I have an Australian cattle dog. He's 19 weeks. Uh, He's a puppy. Still trying to get him to poop outside or whatever. But uh, hey, man. I have an Australian shepherd. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) That is awesome. We have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh, My my girlfriend's sitting outside with him right now (laughs) to make sure that he doesn't bark during during this. Boy or girl? He's a boy. He's 12. But people people often mistake him for two years old or three years old. He's like, he's very much, he's still got that I ain't puppy. even going to lie to you, bro. Like, the Australian Shepherd is a beautiful dog. And I'm not by. Yeah. I know when, when you're a kid, you're like, you you think they're, like, so cute or whatever. But I got I to gotta be honest. The Australian Shepherd is just something different. Like, it's a beautiful. I, I, I know they shed like crazy, but just it's just so cute <laughs> oh yeah it's it's all over me all the time but yeah. I, I don't care yeah i'm i'm a, I'm a big fan and i always want Aussies. yeah well Anyways, man, it's been great having it's been great you know being on the show i think what you guys are doing is awesome and as i told you before like any conversation which elevates the iq of people listening to it anyone you know wants to talk to people about basketball i'm so into that well so i would love so for much. you to, to to keep on being more of a constant guest uh, with me especially when it comes to the raptors uh potentially if you have time doing some like post game 20 minute shows after you know, most after after most games uh i don't know about preseason yet it depends on our schedules but definitely. We'll cover Scotty Barnes' first triple double. Oh, for we'll sure. Cover, we'll, we'll cover his first quadruple double. We'll oh, that's that's his, happening this year. He's gonna get ten he's, steals. He's he's. Uh, we're gonna cover his Hall, Hall of Fame induction this year. Oh, it's, it's it's all gonna happen this year. It's right? it's all gonna OG's happen. OG's first yo. fifty. Yeah. All of it. Thank all you right, guys. Man. Thank you guys, Raptors Nation. Uh, we're we're having the surge in the in Raptor fans subscribing to the channel. Let's keep growing, man. Uh, I love Canada. Hopefully, I'll go visit very, very soon. I got some friends in Toronto as well. Uh, got a doctor, actually. He's, he's, he's in the medical field. I've had him on the show as well. Big Raptors fan. Uh, lots of positive things going your guys' way, man. Again, Scotty Barnes is the best decision Raptor fans could have hoped for, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens, man. Thank you, guys. And make sure you guys drop a review on iTunes. The audio will be a lot smoother on iTunes, as always, because it's going to be in post-production. But if you guys enjoy these casual, you know, intelligent basketball conversations, make sure to always tune in, have your notifications turned on. And again, thank you so much, Rob. Appreciate you, man. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, guys. See you guys on the next one. Peace.